I don't know if there is Christmas hymns, but hymns. And the French started applauding them, and then they responded with some Christmas hymns. And then one of the soldiers would yell out, Tomorrow, Christmas, if you cease fire, we'll cease fire. And so I'm saying this because it's the season on that day that caused the ceasefire for people to sing the Christmas hymns because they knew the season was approaching. And whether tradition or whatever, whatever those people at that time were trying to remember Christmas as, um, it is the reason for the season. And so there was a ceasefire that happened. On the next day, the soldiers would come into the middle and they would exchange uh, stories, they would exchange songs and cigarettes and everything else uh, that they needed to get through that day. And so that helps us point to the idea of Advent. And I won't tell you what happened on the next day in that story because it's not very fitting for what we're talking about. But Advent's meaning is to signify or anticipate the start of an event or the arrival of a person. In Christian communities, um, Advent refers to the four-week season of remember, remembering and celebrating um, Jesus' birth on earth, or his arrival on earth. And at times, uh, it's a time to reflect on the un- unexpected nature of Jesus' humble birth and join in anticipation of when he will reunite heaven and earth once and for all. And so while this isn't going to be your typical Advent uh, series, I do want to point us to the story in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to pick up in verse 21. And before we do that, just to to recap, um, for those that may not know the Christmas story, um, we have an angel coming to the shepherds, which pointed them to the manger in Bethlehem, to um, Christ's birth, Mary's virgin birth birth or his birth through Mary's, you guys know what I'm saying, Um, which leads to this part where Simeon waits in anticipation from the Holy Spirit for the Lord's arrival. And so if you guys turn to to, uh, verse 21, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And just a little side note real quick. I always love in Scripture, because it still blows my mind, um, this is maybe something to highlight, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus were bringing Simeon peace at the same time. So we see God's divinity there. It's really cool. But that's a total side note. It's just exciting. It's cool. And it had been revealed to him by the... Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, 
And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those which of those things which were spoken of him. And so from the beginning of the story to this point, this is it. This is the good news of the Savior and when he was born in a manger. The Messiah was born finally to bring peace, joy, and goodwill towards men. So we have created songs for this moment. We all know them. Joy to the world. Hark the herald. And there were those in Israel that would rejoice because it surely meant that the Savior was here to push back the oppression that they had felt and to finally bring perfect shalom, perfect peace. But I want to take a minute and change the story up a little bit. And if you guys remember in Matthew 10.34, this was his address to the disciples um, as he was getting ready to send them out and he was instructing them. He said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So he was talking of the sword that would pierce through the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. You guys might say, now hold on a second. Just if we reverse back in the story, didn't the angels declare God's glory and say, peace on earth, goodwill towards men? Yes, that is in the New King James. But I would submit that something that is more fitting for what the angels might say is in some of the other versions, the ESV or the Amplified Version, say it this way. And on earth, among men with whom he is well pleased. Talking about peace. So regardless of what our flesh desires for this to mean, we understand that even in his birth, his death, and his resurrection, we still experience Suffering, unrest, and persecution. So I'm not by any means trying to quench the fact that this isn't a joyous season, that we are to have joy. That we can even have joy in celebrating or advent the the await or to await the second coming of the Lord. It's something we should all rejoice in for sure. But maybe we look at his birth as the fulfillment of God's love towards us. And how that produces a peace within us. So his peace, joy, and goodwill towards all men. Is this something that we look at when we finish the rest of this section in Luke 2? Consider how Christ's birth brings about peace. And how do we experience that? And if we do, why is it different than how the world experiences peace? So if we look at verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
So I feel like kind of this section, as you, you look at Christ's birth and him coming and the joy that comes from that and the celebration that we have, it's like we're riding the bike down the street and we're telling everybody, hey, the Lord's here and Simeon's in the corner. He just throws a stick and hits your spokes and you fly off the bike. It changes the course of the joy that you had and, and what it represents. Mary and Joseph may have said, like, Simeon, Simeon down a little bit. We just had Jesus, and we were told that he is the, the, uh, the savior of the world, the new king. Mary might say, and Gabriel told me himself that I would be blessed among all women. That may be the heart that we want to convey. Like, this is about peace, and I refuse to believe that Christmas isn't all about presents. The lighting of the cozy tree and my Lord on a nativity set in a manger. And I would say, yes, rejoice that the season is here. Let good tidings flow out of us because our God loved us enough to come off of his throne and live a life of humility and walk among us and die a death that we deserve, what was rightfully ours. We should rejoice because he has saved us from our iniquities. This is a celebration of his birth. It was the start of his walk to the cross and his resurrection that atoned for our sins. If we look at what the Bible, if we look at what biblical peace means, it should remind us that peace is not general peacefulness with prosperity and to live a trouble-free life that is free of temptation and sin. Peace is the end of enmity and warfare. To find peace is to find God. And fundamentally, the Bible says that the most important peace is peace with God. So look at what Job said in chapter 22, verse 21 through 23. Like, how did that guy find peace? You guys all know the story. It says that he agreed with God. He believed in God for a saving salvation from enmity and warfare. Surely he wouldn't have thought that's how peace would come, but he was willing to forsake everything if it meant peace with God. You see, the peace that is so often associated with Christ's birth is that it stays there at his birth. We leave him in the manger because babies are so sweet and innocent. You guys, even the world is okay with baby Jesus. But take Jesus that says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Or what do our hearts do when we read 1 Corinthians, when we are told that we're not our own, we have been bought at a price? This quickly reveals that what Simeon said in verse 35, that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. You guys, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, who can know it? This points out and reveals the natural condition of the human heart. Its desire is to say that I want to be king. It's hard enough for me to rule over my own life. I don't really have a place for God to be God. God. 
If you guys remember in Matthew's account, Herod expressed this heart by asking the shepherds, where is this king that I might worship him also? And if you guys remember what he went on to do, killed every firstborn in, in Bethlehem after Christ's birth. This is what Christ's birth brought, was that destruction. So we can maybe start to see what Simeon was talking about, that this child will be the fall of many. So how is peace associated with Christ's birth? And how is it to bring forth peace in our lives among joy and hope? You see, I think we have to recognize that there's a conflict that resides within every single one of us. We are hostile towards God's lordship over our lives. And if this is what Jesus represents, then the world says, we will just stick to baby Jesus. So in order to take a step in finding peace with God is to understand that there is conflict within us. We have to recognize that. That we are in need of a savior. We need someone to deliver us from enmity and warfare. That even our best things that we can offer are like filthy rags to him. If we understand that it's by his grace alone that we are saved, then we will agree with God and find peace in what the manger represents for us. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to work through this. What did his coming truly mean for the mother of Jesus? She had the purpose in his ministry confused just a little bit. If we look at Mark verse 31, Mary, Jesus, Mary and Jesus' brothers were coming to get him from his ministry when he was teaching because um, they were trying to find him. And they thought that what he was doing was madness. So in verse 21 says, um, when his own people heard this and what he was doing, they went out to lay a hold of him for they said, he is out of his mind. And if you guys remember when his mother and brother said that they were looking for him, people went in and said, hey, your mother and brother are looking for you guys, or looking for you. He would, he would say in verse 33, who are my mother and my brother? That must have been a deep pain that sat with Mary after hearing this. So in a way, Mary represents all of us who love Jesus as well. There is a conflict in what we think Jesus is to represent for us and what he really is representing here in the Christmas story. He was born into the world to walk the path of a spotless lamb. The sacrifice for you and me so that we might have peace through him and his blood that was poured out for us and that we would share the gospel for the goodwill of all men. If you turn to Colossians 1.19.20, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So this shows God's hate for sin, but love for the sinner. And if we come back to Jesus in the manger, we should see that this isn't the Charlie Brown Christmas that makes us feel good and fuzzy on the inside. 
You see, the Christmas story is really the advent of Easter. The building up and anticipation of the emotional walk in obedience to the cross. If you connect the fact that his birth means his death, and if it stayed there, we would be the most pitied of all, right? We wouldn't have hope, joy, and peace. But he has risen, and now we can understand the peace that comes with his birth. So the fact that Jesus' birth is our true declaration of why we celebrate the Christmas season and that it ultimately brings peace for the believer through his death and resurrection, then maybe what the angels declared of peace and goodwill towards man is more like what Jesus was saying in John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So when he said this, he was on the way to the cross as he would comfort the disciples by talking about his peace. A peace that the world doesn't understand is for those who find refuge in him. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. And I lost my spot. (laughs) Sorry. So we shouldn't pull back if we understand where his peace comes from. And the sword he brings is one that will slash the heart of stone and bring forth a heart of repentance. This is the good news of his birth. This way we can find peace, joy, hope, and love. Tim Keller puts it this way. Repentance is like antiseptic. You pour antiseptic into a wound and it stings, but it heals. That's how repentance works. It creates terrible inner turmoil because we have to admit things we don't want to admit. You have to acknowledge weakness you don't want to acknowledge. However, that's the only way to a new, pe- a new piece of forgiveness and reconciliation. It undermines your pride and self-righteousness, a terrible burden for you to bear as well as those around you. There's no way to get into the new peace that repentance brings without going through the pain. It's like a doctor that has to cut open flesh and spill your blood in order to get the tumor so that your body can have peace. Jesus' birth is a picture of what must be endured before we can have complete shalom. He is the antiseptic to our sin. This is the good news of the gospel. And it starts here at the Christmas story. One of my favorite quotes from the gospel is that it says, The gospel says you are simultaneously more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe yet more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. Love is what brought us peace. Love is what gave us a baby in a manger. And in Romans 5.8, it is love that was demonstrated for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
So you guys are saying, like, Dustin, <laughs> so do we have peace because of his birth? Or do we have peace because of his birth? It's like, what are we supposed to do here? And I would say, yep, have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm saying follow him to peace because it's his peace that surpasses all understanding. Don't just leave him in the manger. He gives you peace, not as the world gives you peace. But because he knew you before the foundations of the world and because he loves you. You see, the battle that he fought for us was infinitely greater than anything he ever asked us to endure. And when he faced the final moments and the sword was coming down on him, he was completely alone and forsaken, even by the Father. So if there was anything that was going to kill love, it's the crucifixion. That's what Herod was trying to do at the arrival of Christ's birth. That's what the Jews and the Romans were trying to do. And the world today is guilty of the same thing. And if we take a look at Christian communities, we cheapen God's grace by slowly becoming okay with what the world makes Jesus out to be. So I would say, rejoice in what the world doesn't understand. Have joy when the world tells you not to. And hope in what the world calls crazy. And find love in what the Father has done for you. Remember what he came for. If the worship team wants to head back on up here. So my heart in that is not to have the Christmas season and the message of his birth be doom and gloom. And I hope that's not what you guys are hearing. If you look at Romans 8.18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So why was Jesus born in a manger? So that you might know peace. And the joy of it is that we would know perfect shalom one day when he comes back again. I remember several years ago, and I don't know if Rory remembers this, but um, 
typically when I call him, I'm always looking to laugh because I think that's always going to happen. I don't know if you guys know Rory that, that well, but you're probably going to laugh if you talk to him. Not at him, with him. <laughs> but I remember I called him and the, I, I honestly thought he was laughing. And I was waiting for the punchline and the phone got silent. And I, I can tell you right where I was at. I was going to my shop when it was over by your house there. And, and then he started to sniffle. And then there was an awkwardness where I recognized, like, this isn't something that's funny. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I don't remember all the words, but I remember the Lord had met you in a time when you were remembering your father. And you went on to, to talk through the tears that you just felt his love. And it was something that moved you to a place of emotion. And I had been through a lot of stuff in life. I cried. I, I, I got saved when I was in sixth grade. And the Lord changed my life that day. But I had, I had gone away and I have done stuff, terrible things. And I can, I can connect this feeling with that moment of wondering what that was like to be able to feel God's love. Because I would say that I probably would say that I had, but I don't know that I actually had. Until a few years later, my first wife got cancer. And... We were in the hospital room, and uh, it was the day that that they they had to pull the plug. And so you you go in the room and you get to say goodbye. And I remember holding her hand, and and I remember thinking that that very same thing. If there's ever a time where I need the peace of God, like this is it. And I will say, I don't know how it works. I don't quite understand it. But I do know that if he's willing to go to a cross for me, then I should be willing to assess the situation and say, I still believe. I believe that he came in the form of a baby to walk a sinless life, to bear a crucifixion, that was rightfully mine because of my sin. And when he rose again, walking out of the hospital room, I can tell you today, I have peace. I have peace in what the Lord has done because of his obedience to the Father. And so you guys, I hope you're here... (laughs) I hope you hear the joy in it. (laughs) It's real. And I'm chewing gum still. Did I learn anything from speech class? No, because I didn't. I failed it. (laughs)
God is so good and faithful, you guys. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for uh, just your love that transcends any love that we can make up, Lord. That when you finalize it on the cross, God, that that gives us complete rest, complete shalom, God. Some of us may wonder why you did it. We don't feel worthy. To be honest, it's because we're not. It's because you are. And so I just, today that we would rest, Lord, and as the Christmas season comes and we gather with family, and, and I know that it's not, it's not peace and joy for everybody, Lord. I know there's some people that don't have families. And there's a lot of unrest with that. But God, if we just take to what you're, what you're doing when you come for the likeness of all of us, Lord, we all are in the same room. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. And so I just pray for your peace this season, Lord, that it would touch the hearts of each individual in this room, Lord, and if if your good news is something that somebody wants more of, Lord, that we would give a place for that. God, your your word pierces bone and marrow, Lord. It's able to to reach the hardest heart. whoever desires you, Lord, would come to you and ask for your peace. And that the gospel tells us that we are loved by you, Lord. Help us to understand that. We just love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys, um, I know that we have some donuts maybe in the other room and um, thanks for sticking this one out with me. It's really good to see you guys. I don't usually get to see first service, so see some faces that are new. Um, get to know one another. Remember, my name's Rory, if you had a problem. So, <laughs> bless you guys.